Hi everyone and welcome back to another free hit podcast by Oxfordshire Cricket. We hope that for our returning listeners, you've been enjoying listening to the episodes thus far. And for those joining us for the first time, we hope that today's episode will be of interest to you. Today we're delighted to be joined by Stuart Murphy. Hi Stuart, how are you? Good, thanks Matthew. Thanks for having me on today. And I think a great place to start with is if you could just give us a an overview on your roles within uh, within cricket rather than, than me do that for you. Okay, no problem. Um, I have a couple currently in the game. Um, most people in the county will recognise me from being the county welfare officer along with Leslie Pikett. We've, we've shared that role now for, well, in our third year of that. I was also a county age group coach for five or six years mostly working with the under 11 girls and under 10 boys and one half of my working week is employed with the ECB as a personal development and welfare coach and I currently sit in our disability program. So it's something actually that many people may may or may not know about you a familiar face as you've mentioned as the county welfare officer over the past three years but today what i thought would be a really interesting topic for us to explore is your involvement with um, the england learning disability teams and and what it's like working within that high performing team touring australia um, last year and then also recently being involved with the bunbury festivals and then delving a bit further into your role specifically with England and how you support players, manage the transitions that they have between school and college, etc. So I think where we should start is just to to explore um, things with England learning disability. Um, I must confess, I, I don't know a huge amount about this space, so um, I'm also really curious to listen to to what it's like. So I think a good starting place would be just to tell us a little bit more about the system and um, and what it's like being involved um, with the, with that team. Okay, so if I give you a brief overview of the criteria that you need to have or need to be able to qualify to be a member of the uh, cricket program, the first you need to have an IQ of below seventy five, and that's taken from your statement of educational need at school. You also have to meet an independent child psychologist who will do the assessment to make sure that's independent. And then it goes off to what is now Virtus, which is the international governing body for athletes with an intellectual impairment. Um, so so that's, the, that's the first bit. Uh, I've been involved with this programme for seven and a half years firstly as a volunteer team manager for four years which was great Uh, i got to experience um, an international trip to to melbourne for a triangular series between ourselves and um, australia and south africa and that actually that was the last time the the lads lost an international game so they're doing they're doing pretty well it certainly sounds like it yeah it is the, yeah, our players are all recreational cricketers, so they all play club cricket on a Saturday and then they 
either go to college, school or work during the week. So if you think about, you know, what we normally go through as, as club cricketers throughout the week and then preparing for a game on Saturday, that's exactly what our lads go through. Um, the difference is, is the level of support they get in the background. So the disability programme, so the learning disability, physical disability, deaf and blind squads all come under the international pathway. So we get that support. Um, we have two coaches currently with us, um, Derek Morgan as our head coach, Tom Flowers as our assistant coach. Tom played first class cricket for Leicester. Uh, they're both level four coaches. Currently, uh, our physio, um, a chap called Gary Metcalf, he worked in the first class game until the pandemic when, as a physio, he went back to work for the NHS, which I, I you know, applaud him hugely for that. So, disability cricket at a performance level is, is very much we support the players as best we can to work in an environment where they challenge themselves to be better cricketers and also better people. Um, one of the, the big parts of my role is around supporting with lifestyle management. Some of that lifestyle management is managing day-to-day -day life. So regardless of whether you've got a disability or not, if you're trying to fit in being an international athlete, because that's what they are, as well as working a full-time job, holding down relationships, fitting in gym sessions, fitting in the runs, fitting in the technical side of the game, and then performing not only at club level, but also then when they get to the international stuff. Hugely so, important. Sorry. sorry no, Mark. I was going to say, just listening in there, it sounds um, very much like that there's a, a strong support network for all the, the players that are involved and also a, a network of staff that will improve performance too. Yeah. Um, and that might not be common knowledge across the game. So for the purpose of our listeners, I think that's is an interesting point to to make people aware of that there is more to there's more to it than perhaps people might thought. Yeah, and, and every time I sort of speak to people about it, they 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 say the same thing. They're quite surprised at the level of support that our players get. But we go to international tournaments. So that level of support needs to be there to make sure that we can help and support the players to deliver on the field, um, as well as being professional athletes off the field in terms of their behaviours, what they eat, um, how they use their downtime in between games, how, uh, how they manage their rehab or prehab, um, particularly in, in an international environment where, where it, the games come sort of fairly sort of thick and fast um the recovery time isn't what it would be so you play a club game on a saturday and then you kind of wake up sunday morning and go oh a bit tight our roll out our stretch 
um, the last series we had, we played five T20s back-to-back Monday through Friday. So getting the players to understand what they need to do to be able to perform if called upon for every game is, is plays a huge role, not only from my point of view, but also then from, from the rest of the backroom stuff. Yeah, I mean, with a workload like that, it's going to be important that there's a team in place to help players to perform, but also to manage their own well-being. And I think yeah. that gives us sort of a nice path into, I suppose, exploring a little bit more um, around the role that you've now moved into. So you touched on that you started as a volunteer manager for four years and over yeah. the last three and a half, four years you've been working, quote me if I'm wrong, as the the personal development and welfare coach yep. for DCB and the team. How have you yep. found um, that transition yourself from team manager into personal development and welfare? And what does that entail from a a day-to-day perspective of supporting these players within the structure? Okay, so um, originally, uh, my my wife found the job for me um, as a volunteer. She was uh, searching on job websites, went, oh, this would be good for you. And um, so I applied, not expecting to, to get it, uh, partly because I've never worked in a performance environment. The volunteer role, say, I, I was fortunate enough to to get with my background in in social care management for sort of 20 years then over over a period of years there was talk around how we offer players more support uh, away from the game and then say three and a half four years ago we started having conversations about about making my role part-time so that I could offer that support, guidance, um, interaction, particularly with our learning disability squad. And, and that thankfully came at a time when I was wanting to step away a little bit from, from what I was doing. Um, I still work in, in adult social care part-time and then say the other half of the week, I, I do the work for the ECB. So the, tra- the transition for me was was fairly comfortable. I already knew the players. Uh, there was there was a fair amount of, of contact anyway with the players outside of uh, the game environment. My role became less about logistics and more about supporting people. It gave me more time to spend with the players looking a bit more in depth and, and drilling down onto onto some of the, the stuff that was going on in their lives that, that may affect their cricket. So an example would be um, one of our players has, has just finished uh, a coaching qualification with Worcester Uni. So, so he's got his degree. During his dissertation process, I worked with him and, and his parents around structuring time to, to do certain things. 
so he would work for a couple of hours in the morning, take a break, a couple of hours in the afternoon, take a break, and then he would structure his days off. And that was purely because with his particular learning disability and, and he, him, this cricketer being on the autism spectrum, it worked well to have more structure, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it does. So I think what we should explore a little bit further is, um, well, I guess really what I'm interested to know is, did was there a, a reason why you felt like, or the team felt like, you needed to provide more support for players away from the game? Was that a natural progression as the team evolved and as sports changed? Or was that a tactical move from the group of staff that they could utilise the expertise you've got and then be able to provide that extended and sort of far-reaching support for players? Uh, it, it's a really interesting point, that one. Um, I, I think it was, if I, I think if we're all completely honest, it was more driven by by the ECB structure and coming under the performance pathway. There's a certain expectation that that under that pathway that players are supported away from the game. Um, out of the four squads at the time, my experience was all geared towards learning disability support, given my, my background. There, as a, as a group, um, part of my role was then to, to, to be proactive. So that was a big driver as well, having that proactive support rather than waiting for something to happen and then deal with it. And that was very much seen as a, as a positive step across the programme generally, if that helps kind of answer that question. Yeah, I think in some ways, stars align quite nicely from finding the role and starting as manager, moving in, um, utilising experience within social care, change a slight change of direction with structure and providing more support, uh, more support. It seems like there was a perfect fit for you on a personal level. Um, and what does that, I guess, role involve in terms of support for players uh, on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis, just for the purpose of the listeners? It would be good to sort of explore that a little bit more. Yeah, it, it really was. Uh, I, n- I never thought I'd end up doing um, personal development and, and welfare support as a job. So you, you're quite right that everything just sort of seemed to align nicely at, at a time for not only me, but also then for, for the ECB itself. So that was good. On a day-to-day uh, scenario, oh, okay, some of the day-to-day scenarios would be um, if I get, I give an example during lockdown so a lot of our a lot of our lads were were furloughed from from their work Um, several who were at university or college then had to do stuff remotely so we decided as a as a I guess as a management team that um that I would be a bit more proactive than what I had been previously. So we set up a Strava group for, for the lads to 
track their runs, cycles, swims, walks. So there's often that peer support around fitness. Worked with some of the players to set some realistic challenges around their own well-being. Some of the players took it upon themselves to go, I guess in a bit like Dom Sibley, really, that they wanted to try to work towards shifting a few kilos. So we spoke around how they could do that in, in a realistic way. So my role isn't to tell players what to do. My role is very much around supporting the players to understand what they need and then work on that themselves. And do you find that uh, that relationship is always one way? So do the players come to you and say they need specific support or do you as a management group and in the role as personal development welfare coach, do you go to the players and make suggestions whilst not, as you rightly say, telling people what to do? How does that how does that relationship work on a sort of an ongoing basis? Uh, okay, so a bit of both, if I'm completely honest. Um, we have a well-being app that the players fill in. So at the moment, they are filling it in a morning after a game. So last Saturday... Club cricket kind of really restarted, didn't it? After, you know, during this pandemic. One of the things that the players do is fill out a wellbeing app on the morning after the game that has things like how fresh do you feel? How fit do you feel? Um, what's your pea colour? Because obviously that's, that's a really good, a really good basic indicator of, of how hydrated they are. We also ask them how thirsty they are and generally on a scale of kind of one to five, how you feel. And then there's an extra comments box at the end. So someone might put knees a bit sore from bowling for the first time in six months, icing it. So that allows us then to, or for me at the moment, to monitor from a distance. And then when I go through that on a, on a Sunday afternoon, I will then contact players who score in a certain range or have fed back certain things where I feel they might need some support. And it might just be a reminder to, to you know, carry on doing what you're doing with your, with your icing or have you spoke to the physio? Um, is there something that you've done differently that's brought this on? So the, we support the players through that but also then it gives the players a bit more responsibility over managing themselves. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a really useful tool for for you and the team to get some ongoing data to encourage players to, I guess, disclose information in a way that, but I don't know whether they would or wouldn't, uh, usually you would know better than me, but I guess then giving you a platform to then provide additional support. Yeah, it, it sorry, it's um it's in terms of sort of tracking and evidence, 
it's great because we've got a couple of years worth of data so you can kind of see how people for example you might have someone who's always thirsty in the morning after a game of cricket so if they suddenly go i'm not thirsty um i might just message them and go so what did you do differently this time did it work um is it is it something you purpose purposefully did is it something that just sort of happened by accident so there's that learning in there as well yeah um, which, which which plays a huge part in 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 that whole developing people scenario i was going to say it then very much connects with developing the person but also encouraging the player to take greater responsibility whether through increased awareness or support from from you earlier on you touched yeah. on providing some support with someone who had been through university and time management yeah. How much of yep. it is geared towards performance? So you touched on their recovery and icing and how, how are things getting going on in that space? I'm not asking a great question here, but how much <laughs> is then also geared towards non-performance factors like the time management thing? Okay, so um, I don't get involved in any of the the cricket side of it um when we're at a training camp i might watch the lads um have have a you know a middle practice or something like that but i i purposefully don't get involved in any of the cricket related activity so therefore then my role is is very easily segregated compartmentalized away from from the cricket stuff so if a player comes to me and says, I'm having a really bad trot with the bat or I've gone wicketless in the last four games and I'm really frustrated, then a lot of the questions I will throw back are, OK, so what the coaches said, what has Derek said about this? How's Tom suggested you do that? Just to remind them that actually that that coaching support is there if they need it. Um, and then from a, that point of view, that's kind of covered and then I might turn around and go okay so is anything new happened is anything happened at work at school home life that's that's kind of put you off focus a little bit so that then it becomes less about what's happening in the middle and more about what's happening overall in someone's life um my experience of has, well has shown that over the years that a lot of stuff happening out in the middle not going right for someone is probably linked to stuff that's happening off the pitch you know so are they putting too much pressure on themselves are they not putting enough pressure on themselves um have they recently had a had a falling out with someone is stuff not going right in terms of educational work so when they get to either the club match on a saturday or an international match, you know, we, we work to understand what's going on with that person. So when they get to the game, they can be fully focused on on what's in front of them. So would you say then really are playing a, a vital or important cog within the, the team itself, but also from a... I guess the perspective of being a soundboard for players who might 
who might need to have those conversations. And I think Definitely. it all. Do you think? Do you think that's a fair descriptor? Yeah, I I do, and it was interesting, sort of listening to George on the last pod talking about when he was released from the EPP and not having that parachute support. So I think what I do offers a lot of value to to the players. So if they are deselected for a game, then part of my role is then to you know do a lap, go and sit somewhere quietly, talk to them about how they're feeling around it and how then they can get a bit of focus around some of the rationale that the coaches have made behind decisions. And I think that offers great value to the players. Um, I'm independent of the family network. I'm independent of the friendship network. I'm independent in some ways from the, the, the coaching network around the, the skill stuff. Um, some and of the, sorry. I was going to ask, and do you find that because of that, people confide in you differently or are the conversations different? So, for example, a player who's trying to be selected or struggling with performance or, or whatever, there may be a different relationship with a coach who's got to make those difficult decisions and who they pick. Do you find there's a difference in the relationship or is the environment such that people can be open and honest with with everybody? It, great example. So last year we, we, we had three weeks in Brisbane. Um, we were lucky enough to... To, to play at some fantastic rounds, say South Brisbane District Cricket Club, which phenomenal. Um, then we had five games at AB Field. And one of one of the, the players towards the end of those five T20s was rested. Um, and he came to me and sort of said, I'm rested for today. I'm not happy. I've had a conversation with the coach can I just have a talk with you about it? And what all he wanted to do was just talk to someone who would listen, maybe ask challenging questions around performance, around attitude, but also then just offer a bit of reassurance as well that all because you're rested towards the end of a series doesn't mean that you won't play the next game. And I think for, for any athlete, whether you've got an impairment or not, having that sounding board is, is hugely vital because what we don't want people to do is then build up anxiety, stress, um, annoyance, for want of a better phrase, frustration, and then, and then not be able to manage it in a way that's meaningful for them. So a lot of the conversations I have, particularly around sort of game days, are if people are rested, then just have you spoke to the coach? Do you understand what, what the rationale is behind it? So I might have to then go over that with a player. Um, players aren't selected, say, for... So we take 15 on tour. So we obviously have our 11 plus a 12ers. So one of the other players, you know, part of my role is to give them meaningful activity to do. So they might be in charge of 
uh, filling up the drinks bottles, supporting the physio with that. Um, and also a great opportunity for me to do laps with those players who aren't involved in that game to kind of discuss how the trip's going, what have they found they're enjoying about it, what do they think about the opposition in terms of their performance and just getting them to talk about stuff rather than just sort of sitting down a sort of 13th or 14th man and just sitting there with a the bib on and not doing anything. Yeah, I mean, that's so much more than a perception of just an agony arm and people talking to yeah. you with <laughs> problems yeah. and challenges that they're facing. It's vital yeah. from a performance on the pitch perspective, as you mentioned earlier, evidence suggesting that there's often a link to something that's going on in someone's personal life, but also from a a player well-being perspective that they've got someone that they can have those conversations with. And I'd imagine that's particularly important when you're away on a tour. I was going to ask you what that experience is like with touring, presenting brilliant experiences, but also different challenges for people being away from home and obviously the process of traveling itself and staying in hotels. Do you yeah, find that you're some... more, that you're needed more when you're away in those environments or is it no different? Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a really interesting one. So Brisbane was my third international series um, with, 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 with this squad. Um, been lucky enough to, two of them have been in Australia and one has been in Cheshire. So Cheshire one was a very different experience um, because it was our first home series in, in, in a decade. That brought about a lot more anxiety in the players than what going to Melbourne or Brisbane did because it was a home series so family could easily congregate at clubs and watch and the players all, you know, all said they felt a slight more anxiety around that series because they were feeling like they have to perform in front of a home audience. Um, Melbourne, we were in a hotel. Uh, Brisbane, because we were part of uh, the, the Virtus Global Games, we were in apartments. So part of my role was to uh, make the room and arrangements for the for the apartments and that worked out really well in a lot of ways but mostly the players chose not to interact with me as much as what they might have done if we were staying in hotels the whole time so the apartments had like tvs fridges like a little kitchen area um it made the players more self-sufficient and that brought out a lot more of their maturity and a lot more of their own personalities, as it were. So the, the environment was a lot more comfortable um, than what it would be in a hotel. And we're fortunate when we go away, we stay in some, we stay in some very nice hotels, but it is still just a hotel. And if you're, three weeks somewhere staring at the same walls it's not great so the apartments had had that level of freedom that the hotels didn't 
and through that we we saw the lads taking a bit more ownership of themselves so they all they had to take do their own laundry um which for some of them was the first time they'd ever done it so in the first couple of days i had a lot of phone calls around how do we use australian washing machines are they different because <laughs> it's uh they're they're the uh stuff in the top rather than in the front yeah um there's probably a technical term for that no it's good enough yeah most people uh, will know what you mean good Whew. panic over um so there was a a lot of a lot of talk around that and okay what's the best way of doing this and how do i get hold of this and how do i get the wi-fi to work and just really little things like in this country if you if you're in a hotel and you've got a key card for your room you tap it on the on the on the sort of device opens the door and then you can go to any floor you want the apartments in australia were you had to your room key also only linked the lift to your floor so there was a few times when people left their keys or thought i'll go and see my mate but actually i can't so in terms of their communication amongst themselves that increased dramatically because they were having to figure things out which then when it came to to game time there was certainly a a, a bit more confidence you could you could see a bit more confidence in 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 the lads as as they were kind of getting ready for game time because they weren't they weren't feeling like they were kind of cramped into a hotel room and had all that pressure if that makes sense um so that was that was a really interesting thing yeah i mean there's two things that i'm just thinking about there around the importance of how you set up an environment from a yeah perspective of a any team or high performing team and the impact that those different environments can have but lots of the things that you've mentioned well all of them they're non-cricketing factors yeah yeah so yeah yeah i think that's really re- for me really interesting that you can increase i'm surprised about the apartment thing i thought people might like the luxuries of hotels and lots of things sort of being there but actually that greater volume in, of interaction sounds like yeah really correlated into better connection within the group and and also then aided performance when it came to game time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what's our our age group around our squad is sort of um, 16, 17 through to one of the lads will hate me saying that because he's now turned 30. So uh, a lot of the lads still live with family. Um, a few of a few of our players are, are more independent. One's married with a couple of children. Um, but a but majority of our players still live with mum and dad or live in that home environment because they just haven't uh, expanded yet. So to actually have the freedom of an apartment, um, that was, I think, played a lot into into the into their well-being whilst we were away. Um, the only thing they didn't like is when I did the nightly draw to to do an apartment check the following day to see how clean and tidy it was um on the feedback at the end of the tour no one liked that 
I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so so um, and and to be fair, I, I'm not too sure who would like that. But in terms of actually managing their well-being, it, it's important just to kind of go. Yeah, you've got this bit of freedom, but actually, you're representing not only yourselves but also an international sports team. And when the apartment gets serviced weekly uh, by cleaners let's actually make sure that they don't have to do that much cleaning, that you take ownership and responsibility of your own space and that the three people in the apartment work together to make sure that, you know, the laundry was done, the cleaning was done. So at the end of the trip, when we left, you know, the coaches, it was very much about okay, we want to give away, we want to go away with a good impression of ourselves on the pitch. I was very much like, well, let's go away with a great image of how we are as people and how we conduct ourselves away from the game. Because that's the bit that no one sees. Um, In the same way of footballers and charities and other things, um, you know, Rashford was was a great example of an athlete doing something different and going beyond what we would normally perceive them to be. With our lads, I got a lot of pride in the fact that when we left, everyone I spoke to who we came into contact with were like, yeah, really respectful group, lovely people to chat to, a um, lot of time given to uh, to people they spoke to, um, all of the event staff that we came into contact with all gave really kind of positive feedback about how the players conducted themselves away from the game. And for me, whether we'd won 8-0 or lost 8-0, I, I came away with a, a huge amount of pride in, in how they conducted themselves. And... For me, that's what my role encompasses in kind of, I say nutshell, I've sort of rambled on for a bit. But to me, that that's kind of what the, the personal development and welfare coach is about. Yeah, that's... It's so much more than just having a yeah. conversation. I mean, you talk about yeah. being on tour and whilst international athletes in their their space you forget that life experiences of those players may be really different you mentioned some of those sort of 16 17 17 year olds who would be no different from players in an oxygen pathway going on tour for the first time working out how to work a washing machine how to get on with peers that you forget that and it's a common thing even with in the women's game where players debut really young and they're not it's a it's a, um, a big change very quickly and it takes some time yeah. to to get yeah. used to being in those types of settings and i suppose yeah, really definitely shows that i guess there's more more to life on tour than the contest in the middle there's so much else that does go on and is important to consider and also then um needed to support the people players that you've got in the, in the groups no d- definitely and and you know we, we were 
I mean, great example, another great example, you know, it, we got to use the facilities at the um, Queensland Cricket Centre, so that so the National Performance Centre, and um, they couldn't do enough to to help us. So we had the indoor facilities for um, a morning whilst the Australian women were were training out on a field. And yeah, we, we had we had a run of the complex, which was for our lads absolutely fantastic. So we we have access to Loughborough, but because of the women being based there, the men being, you know, men using that as well, we, we don't often get an opportunity to to use that facilities as kind of much as what I would like to 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 showcase how our cricketers are, not only as cricketers but as people. Um, so to have a morning at the high performance centre in, in Brisbane was was fantastic. Um, we got to use the recovery suite after our games. So uh, at that centre, they've got um, a jacuzzi for that will fit like fifteen people in it, a nice bath that fits fifteen people in it, which which as you can imagine was, was quite good fun. Um, yeah, can imagine. <laughs> how many people can you fit in an ice bath? Um, but they've also got a pool. So our physio, bless him because of his first class experience, was very much like, okay, so we're going to do this and we're going to have, so one day it was like two minutes in the ice bath, two minutes in, in the jacuzzi, then hop, 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 hop. Um, and by the end of the week, the lads were like, no, let's just get it over and done with. So we in the ice bath for 10 minutes in the jacuzzi for 10 minutes and then links to the pool, um, some sort of kind of, I guess, aqua aerobics type thing that our physio led on to, to keep the guys kind of going, ready for the next game. Um, and those are the bits that that any anybody watching international sport may not see. Um, I was just about to mention. You said that earlier on. They they are very much the things that you don't you don't see. And whilst yeah, people yeah yeah would expect yeah, so, there's an element of recovery, but actually yeah, yeah. And 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 do you know what? The, as staff, we all got involved in the ice bath and the jacuzzi and the swim. Um, you know, there's a lot of role modelling that we do as backroom staff. Um, with with particularly with with this squad. So when it comes to like ice baths and, and recovery, particularly on tour, we all get involved because it's on that shared experience. So it's it's that one team and that ownership of what we're doing as a group. Um, and also, actually, those those times are when you sounds really corny and cheesy, but but those are the memories that the players will always have. So it's nice. I mean, I've got a winner's medal on my wall. I've got team photos around my office but it's kind of like the memories in that sort of 10-15 years time we'll kind of hopefully still still be in touch and we'll have a laugh around that time that you know got into you know someone dive bombed into the plunge pool of the ice bath um so those are the things that I want the players to go away with as well as the winner's medal yeah and those Memories that you talk about and benefits of touring are far-reaching. It's no different from 
players in a Oxfordshire pathway system, 10, 12, 13, 14 years old, that go on tour, like you forget the value and importance of being away is is more than just cricket and there's some lifelong memories that they'll, they'll have with them forever and they'll cherish and as you say hopefully people stay connected yeah, to each I other mean, I mean, certainly in your your space it, I'm sure yeah it will do. definitely you know and we're lucky in, in Oxfordshire that we've got players like Lindsay Smith who's and full international honours and, and played an international series we've got Ben Charlesworth and Harrison Ward um, who have recently played um, for the under-19s. And what's interesting is, you, 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 particularly with that, you, you kind of read the papers and you read the stuff about the sport. Under-19s didn't win another under-19 World Cup. But those lads at 18-19 playing in a different country, representing their national side, they are the best group of players in that age group. And some of the coaching and support network they've got around them, you know, whether they've won no games or won every game, you have to think that they will go away with something other than just cricketing experience. And and to me, that that's kind of like the driver why I I do what I do. Yeah, I mean that's a really fitting point to end. I think that. Yeah, the support that you provide people is is of real significant value, more to some than others, I'm sure, depending on what people need. I mean, yeah, we could well, delve absolutely. into into more conversation. I'd be interested on a future podcast to hear about what support in the Bunbury Festival was like last year, under fifteen, fourteens. You might have to put that one put that one on ice for the next time, but a similar scenario of being away and adolescents growing up and being used to in their world high performing environment um yeah it, it was that that was a really interesting one because you, you very briefly you know very much kind of high performing athletes on the pitch and you can see that and you can sense it and and you have a real sense of they know what they're doing on the pitch but as soon as they step across that white line off it, instantly revert to being 14 and 15 again. And that's the bit that I found really interesting in that week. <laughs> we'll have to keep the listeners um, glued to the edge of the podcast reel waiting for the next one to, to pop up. Um, yeah. I suppose at this point, really, I just wanted to say thank you very much to you for the it's insight into what it is like working within the England learning disability setting, uh, your role as personal development welfare coach and hopefully for those people listening kind of has given them some um, insight and information on the role that you play away from what people may uh, know you as as a county welfare officer or for, for Oxfordshire or experiences within clubs locally. Um, so for those who didn't know, hopefully it's it's been interesting and given some good um, insight into into the work that you do with the England guys. So thank you very much, Stu. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you very much.